Welcome to another episode of Chan with the Plan, the podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about remote work. Who would have thought back in March of 2020 that most of us in North America are still working from home? For me, I thought that we would be back in the office after a couple months. And as we all know, a couple months turned into a year and a couple months. And although people are starting to get vaccinated now, I still don't see us going back to the office in some type of full-time capacity till end of this year or early next. And as we are getting ready for the second half of 2021, there will be a lot of people looking at new opportunities to grow their career. And with that, that means that when they do get their new opportunity, they will most likely be onboarding at their new company 100% remote. That's why I have brought on two guests to provide tips on how to work remotely effectively. Their names are Aaron Orstrom and Roja Budati. Erin has been at her current company for three and a half years. And in this podcast episode, she'll be talking more about her transition from working at the office to working from home 100%. And she'll also provide guidance and tips on how she was able to transition to a fully remote workspace. Roja, on the other hand, at the time of this recording, she was only a couple months into the job. So she will be discussing more about her experience interviewing for a job via video interview. And we'll also be talking about how she was able to onboard at a new company effectively 100% remote. Before I get into my discussion with Aaron and Roja, you know I got to do the introductions for both these individuals. So here we go. For Aaron, she is a product manager with a background in software development. She has worked in a variety of industries since graduating from Nashville Software School, including for the local government, a small software agency, and currently in healthcare. She enjoys creating and enhancing digital products that delight users, are easy to use, and solve problems. She is passionate about remote work and is an advocate for the flexibility it allows, both for work productivity and work-life balance. When not working, you can find Aaron playing fantasy-based first-person video games, painting, or binging whatever latest show she is hooked on. And as I mentioned earlier, Rosa recently joined Navi Health as a product owner. She went to school at Middle Tennessee State University for bachelor's in science. She also majored in computer science with a minor in business administration. She used to work as a product analyst at HCA until earlier this year. When she's not working, she's either painting, reading, watching something on Netflix, or looking to learn something new. Now let's get into my discussion with Aaron and Roja on remote working. How's it going? Doing well. How are you doing, Max? Good. So how long have you been remote working, Erin? It has been almost a year. It will be a year on March 16th, I believe. And we've actually marked a day amongst my team to kind of commemorate our one-year anniversary from going fully remote due to the pandemic. <laughs> so are you just going to celebrate like a Zoom party or what, what's, your, what's your plans? No. So what our team decided that we were going to do was to commemorate the day instead of like working where we're normally working now from home, we will work from somewhere else in our home. So like, for example, I have a second bedroom that's my that's my office. So I might move down into the dining room and use that as my work from home to kind of commemorate the the sudden shift for a lot of people who who maybe didn't have like a an at home setup when we made the initial shift to go fully remote. I don't know about your side, but when we were still at the office early March, there was rumors going around that we would be working from home, like transition. And the Ontario government ended up saying that we are in a state of emergency and everybody has to work remotely. We thought it'd be a couple of months and then a couple of months turns into close to a year. Um, yeah. It'll be a year and a couple of weeks. So yeah. it, it just astounds me that we thought it'd just be a couple of month break and then end up being a whole year and probably even more at this point with the vaccination doses getting delayed. So right. it's definitely going to be a, a bit longer. And then how about you, Roger? Like how long have you been working from home? Not just with this company, but the company before. Yeah. So I actually had some work from home experience at um, my previous company. I worked from home for two months before 2020 hit. So I had all my stuff set up and everything like that. And then we actually transitioned to three days work from home before March and COVID and all. So we had some 
more experienced than like other people, I would say. And it was it wasn't so bad. I think we kind of got the first pick of how that how that experience was going to be. Nice. So I want to bring you both on because obviously I I think we're going to have at least for most companies, at least a flexible work schedule where you're going to work uh, remotely and a bit at the office uh, once things once the COVID pandemic gets solved, so to speak. So I wanted to have you both on board because I know, Aaron, you had to transition pretty quickly in a remote environment. And then Roja had to onboard completely at a new company remotely. So I wanted to hopefully get some expertise on both sides in terms of how you were able to transition effectively. And then on the Roja side, how like some tips you can provide my audience in terms of how you were able to effectively onboard remotely and then how Aaron was able to train you up remotely as well. So we'll start off with you, Aaron. When did the news came that you would all have to transition remotely and how, what was the time in terms of you had to go from the office to remote. So let's say they made an announcement on Monday and on a Friday, you had to be fully remote. Like how was the process? Like how fast did you have to transition? Sure. So it was actually kind of interesting, even from my end, because I actually was on vacation the week before everything shut down. My sister and I went to went on a trip to Universal Studios in Florida. And so I had already like taken my laptop home and, and all of that. And so I was checking my emails and stuff when I got back on that Thursday. And there was an email that said, hey, we're going to do a trial work from home day for the entire company on Friday. So everyone take your laptops home, work from home you know, record any, any issues you may have or things you may need, whatever, you know, in case things get bad. So that Friday, March 13th was like the test run work from home day for the entire company. Whereas like, our department actually had some some experience with remote working already, kind of like Roja did at her previous company, where our teams were were already doing one day a week per team working remotely. So it really we already had a lot of the the infrastructure in place. Some people had you know adequate equipment and things at home for at least the one day a week, and then that Sunday after the trial day on that Friday, the email came out hey, we're not going back to the office, like everyone stay and continue working from home. Like if you if you need things like, you know, submit a help desk ticket. So there were people requesting like extra monitors and, and just like other, other things that we need to work effectively from home. And we have been fully remote ever since. They've tried to bring us back into the office a couple of times, but then each time there was like a spike in cases and they were like, oh, never mind, we're gonna we're gonna hold off on that. So did you have, I know some companies that they give you like an allowance to like give you some materials. Was that an option or it wasn't in the cards with your company? Not that I've heard at all, honestly. And, and like my work from home setup, like everything I've purchased myself, except for the the company issued laptop and the, uh, the hub, the dock that I'm using to like hook everything up. But like my headset, my two monitors, trying to think, my desk, I have a motorized standing desk, but pretty much everything that I have, like I either already already had or I purchased myself. So what was the uh, first month like when you had to work remotely for the whole week for that month? I that feels like forever ago. Like it was only a year, but honestly, like the working from home part wasn't that weird. Like I I totally am fine with working from home, but I think just the situation surrounding it was what was weird. Like the reason that we were all suddenly, you know, forced or you know to work from home was was kind of the main the main thing everyone was talking about not necessarily the remote work situation in and of itself all right and in in terms of collaboration like obviously a lot of companies you had to work cross-functionally with multiple departments Mm -hmm. Uh, when you're at the office you could have meetings with these people in person you might have a couple people on the conference line if they're not they're not available at the office or Mm -hmm. uh, again there were you did you have like some work from home flexibility prior to COVID or was it all like Monday to Friday at the office? No, there was some flexibility. Each team got one day per week that they had to decide on as a team. Like, hey, so like my my previous team, we were doing Fridays work from home, which was nice because then you could kind of like just coast into the weekend once you were shut down for the day on Friday. But yeah, that was for everyone to decide on as a team. And then there was some flexibility, like if you have a doctor's appointment or your kid is sick and you have to stay home and, and watch them and, and things like that. But it, it was still kind of largely, of uh, we'd rather see you in the office if, if you can be 
So I think this, like having everyone work remotely kind of put everyone on the same, on the same page, so to speak. Cause sometimes I would hear from some people who, who were fully remote employees that, you know, they would be the only ones who called in on the conference line and, you know, kind of felt in, invisible sometimes for lack of a better term. So this actually kind of put everyone on the same page, I think. You said before, like when people were in the office, mm-hmm. You would open the conference line for the few people that weren't there, but it was a bit awkward. So when you did go fully remote, was it still a conference line where it's all audio or did you go right into video, like video conferencing? Uh, oh, I, I see what you mean. Um, So we still used like, I guess what you would call vid- video calls or conference lines. We don't really have like a culture of people liking to use their webcams. It, it, I guess it's kind of a personal preference. So it's, it's a little different. Like, you know, we'll have like a voice line open and like some people will use their video camera. Some people won't. There hasn't really been an established like company culture around whether or not to use the video camera or not. But I mean, it was, I mean, the, the voice lines work for what we need them to, like the work is still able to get done and, and we're able to still communicate. I just wonder if maybe things and especially picking up on like body language and things like that might be more apparent if people use their video cameras more but i've also read conflicting articles about how you know having the camera on and needing to be on personality wise when you have the camera on can be draining of course we've all heard the the zoom fatigue and it's a uh, it's a real thing <laughs> so from a culture it, there was it wasn't mandatory to be on video like you you could have zoom on but you don't have to show your face so it, your, your, your company didn't have that culture yet. Right. We do have a new director in, in our product department who is trying to get people to use the video camera on more. But I think what's happening is that people are tending to use it only in meetings that she's part of. And when she's not on a meeting, people don't <laughs> go back to not using their webcams. <laughs> I see. I see Roja laughing right now. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's pretty accurate, right? <laughs> I would say so. Uh, it's something um, you I asked me about, love- right? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. I think originally when I first joined, I was using my camera because in my previous company, we were all about the camera. So I just assumed since we were all working remotely, you know, camera is just a must in meetings. And Aaron actually pinged me on the side and was like, hey, like people normally don't like use their camera. and Like it's not it's not a must. And I was like, OK. So whenever yeah. I see other people using it, I normally turn it on. But if not, then I'm just like, it's fine. I wasn't saying it in a way that like, hey, we don't use our video cams here. You should turn yours off. It was more of a, hey, just so you know, it it seems to be more of a personal preference and not like a thing that's been instituted in the culture here. That was that's all I was trying to say. (laughs) Now I know. It just I think it's also kind of like a group thing, right? If you if you see other people having their camera on, you're just more willing to maybe use it as well and see their face, see expressions and whatnot, and connect in that way. But uh, has people been uh, really into the virtual background yet or no, it's, it's not people haven't got that over the top yet with their, we, uh, we've toyed around a l- with it a little, we actually had like a random like team building exercise a couple Fridays ago on one of our team meetings where we were playing with the together feature in teams. Cause that's the platform that our company uses to, to do our video and, and like voice conferencing. And it, it, it was, it was silly. It was, but it was a Friday afternoon and we were, we were just, you know, team bonding in that way. Going back to what I was saying about like cross-functional, when you were, when everybody was, was mostly in the office, it was a lot easier to have meetings. So how was the transition to just straight virtual? Like everybody was on like the video conferencing line and you had to like arrange meetings, making sure that the liberals were done. So was there a huge transition to making sure that the work could still get done effectively, even though you can't just go up to a person uh, at their desk and ask for help? I really like personally, I haven't noticed that much of a shift because it was already something we were doing. Like, I I feel like now it's actually less of a hassle trying to schedule a meeting because you don't have to try and find a conference room that's open. You just you just say, hey, create new teams meeting, you know, look in Outlook. I mean, it's still a a bit of a pain trying to schedule all the people you need in the same meeting because unfortunately, a lot of people's calendars end up being booked. And so trying to find a time that's reasonable in especially on short notice is part of the challenge, but at least now we don't have to get a conference room. Also, it's just, it's just all virtual. So I, I haven't perceived much of a difference in, in being able to get meetings on and, you know, get the deliverables out and have productive conversations. So how quickly were you able to, like, you've been working for close to a year now. So what was your mindset the first couple of months and then now? 
Yeah, so I, I've been a fan of remote work even before I knew it was something you really could do in a career. Like, for example, when I was in college, the last three semesters or so that I had, I, I switched to mostly online classes because I could do the work when I felt most productive, which sometimes would end up being like midnight or two in the morning, it freed up more time for me to have jobs so I could earn money in addition to doing my school. And my last three semesters were like 4.0 semesters. So I, I that model worked for me even before I knew remote working was was something you could do like in your actual career. Unfortunately, the, the companies that I've worked for so far haven't had that same mindset or that same culture shift. And so one, if, if we can say anything positive has come out of the, the coronavirus pandemic, it's this shift toward remote work in, in that, like you said earlier, Max, a lot of companies are starting to open up their remote work policy, or their remote work policies and, and their flexibility. And I think that if companies don't open that up for themselves, they will end up losing their employees to companies that, that do have that flexibility. Because people, and like me personally, like I like not having a commute because I literally would rather use that time for for pretty much anything else. Literally, all I can do on a commute is listen to podcasts or audiobooks, which some people enjoy doing, and that's fine. But I just find commuting really stressful and would really like to use that time for anything else. So me personally, like I, I don't I didn't mind the shift and hope that it continues into the future. Although minus the coronavirus, of course. <laughs> And everything around so where that. will you listen to my podcast if you're not driving to work? I will listen to podcasts while I'm cooking or while I'm doing laundry, like literally any, any time in the house when I can, my mind is free to focus on other things. And I'm just, you know, doing, I don't want to say mindless tasks, but you know, just, you know, house, household things. And how, how was your commute? Like, what, what was the like the date like from going to work and coming back? Like, how long was it in total? Yeah, so in the morning, it was usually between usually like 35 to 45 minutes. And then no matter what time I left in the afternoon, it, it was always like 45 minutes to an hour or more. So even if I left at like 2.30 because I had a doctor's appointment or something, it'd still be at least 45 minutes. So I, I wanted to ask you, going back to how if these companies are not going to, or if they want to go back to the old model about like, you might get one work from home day and then you have to go to the office. Mm -hmm. You've obviously heard the news. Uh, a lot of these tech companies, I think Twitter, Shopify is now permanent work from home. Like you don't mm -hmm. have to come back to the office even when things are back to normal. Mm -hmm. So they're more like future oriented where you can work anywhere you want. So you're saying that over time, if companies such as the more old school that want people to go back to the office, they're going to lose their, they're going to lose top talent to these mm -hmm. bigger companies or these companies that are saying you can work wherever you want. Is that where you're seeing uh, in terms of uh, competition for talent? Yeah, that that's, that's pretty much what I'm saying. And and what I'm advocating for isn't that companies need to either mandate or, or you know, do the, say that we're, hey, we're going to work from home permanently and, and you know, we're not going to have an office. Like that's totally their prerogative if they want to do that. But what I'm advocating for is opening up the flexibility. So if there are people who want to work full time remotely and they, they are have proven that they can deliver results while working in that environment, go ahead and let them. If they want to do a hybrid approach where they work part-time in the office, work part-time at home, let them do that. If they want to come back into the office when it's safe again, because I, I have some colleagues that, you know, for whatever reason, either it's their home environment isn't, you know, conducive to productivity or they just really thrive on person in on in-person interaction. So if they want to go back into the office and work when it's safe to do so, let them do that. What, what I'm saying is, trust people to know how and where and when they work best and trust them to make that that correct that right decision to in order to be able to do quality work for your company the old school mentality in terms of uh being a manager is is all about visual right if they don't see you at your desk they don't think you're working so when someone says they're working mm -hmm. from home you don't think that they're being productive so that was the stigma mm -hmm. of work from home but obviously now with how things are they, they have no choice so it's more about trying to really trust their employees to make sure that work gets done right. Exactly. Yeah. And I actually have a blog, a blog post on my website It's called, I can't remember the exact title, but something about, are you worried about butts in seats over results? Um, <laughs> and where I wrote about that exact thing where like the old mentality of, Hey, I need to see you to believe that you're working versus let, let an employee's results speak for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I think we should start shifting more on the mindset of being more result oriented than how much time you're spending yeah. at your desk, right? 
Which, yeah, which to be fair, does have its own pitfalls in and of itself, because it, it's kind of like if you if you talk about like in the scrum in the scrum world, if you talk about a team's velocity, and if it is constantly going up, and you're trying to use that as a benchmark, it then ceases to become an accurate measure. And, and because some things may have been, uh, they may have delivered more story points, one one sprint, and then the next sprint, maybe they had a bunch of blockers and delivered less, but they're like, hey, you delivered 28 story points last sprint and this sprint you delivered 14. Like, why are we not achieving the same results? And it's like, well, then it ceases to become a, a really usable measure because you're, you're not taking into account other factors. So I, I want to shift gears and speak to Rojo, who hasn't really talked much yet. <laughs> so you were starting this role at, this, at uh, Aaron's company. Uh, so how was the interview process? Obviously, before COVID, all the uh, meetings were, well, not, I, I should say every interview was in person. You mostly had like a screening call and then if they liked you, they brought you in. So what was the shift in terms of you finding a new opportunity and like every interview was a video conferencing? Yeah, that was, that was actually quite interesting. I mean, I knew, I knew how video conferences work just because meetings at my old company and everything, but shifting to an interview model in a video way was definitely something to get used to. I had a couple of interviews before I actually interviewed at uh, the company I'm currently at. And it's always, I think the first time, the first interview I had with my manager, we were using Microsoft Teams and I actually never used that product. So actually we had to jump to Zoom because I wasn't able to get connected right on time. And we had a 30 minute window. So that was the first Um, trouble I had with like jumping from a different product I was using to another one that the company was using. So I would say there's a little bit of hiccups that I had run into just because I've never used Microsoft Teams before. But as far as the interview process goes, we used our camera, had a good conversation. It was fairly fairly simple and okay. I didn't feel too uncomfortable with that, but it's, I would say it's, it's easier to have a conversation in person than obviously through, through Zoom or Microsoft Teams or any other product like that. So what are some quick tips that you could provide for my audience in terms of who are going for interviews right now using that have to do a video interview? Like what are some tips that you can give? Yeah. So I had, I think two or three interviews and at, at least for this company and Really just be prepared. I would, at least when I went to interviews in person, I would get to the place 30 minutes before, kind of go through the same rule, like try to join in the meeting at least 15 to 20 minutes before, make sure everything around you, like you're comfortable where you're at. There is no distractions because when you're at home, you have so many other distractions coming at you, either from outside, your pets, your parents, your kids, whatever it is. So be sure that you have time allotted to just focus on what you're going to be talking about and who you're going to be talking to and really just mentally prepare for the interview and just be ready. No technical issues because whenever you have something like that pop up, you never know when that's going to happen. So be sure that your computer is updated. Nothing's going to be happening where you're going to be delayed 15 minutes or whatever it is and maybe not make it to the interview. So make sure technology wise, everything's good to go as much as possible. (laughs) So were you stressed out when you had that interview and it wasn't working? Was it, were you Brett oh, yeah. saying, let's go to Zoom or? Yeah, no, Brett was super, super helpful. I was just like, honestly, I'm having trouble. And I called him up and I was like, hey, I can't log in because it's giving me an error. I've never used this before. He said, let me send you a Zoom link. And I was like, okay, cool. And he sent send it over. And I think maybe we lost seven minutes of our 30 minute time, but it was still productive. Like the interview was still successful. So being flexible, understanding is also is also important because I was pretty hard on myself afterwards. Like, oh my gosh, like why didn't I work on this sooner or get get to downloading this? Because I da- had downloaded Microsoft Teams. I just hadn't been able to log in correctly uh, for whatever reason. Yeah. And I think, I think it's fine. Like we understand, like people understand that technical issues happen, but I think Roja, your advice of starting or, you know, getting, trying to get logged in, you know, 10 to 15 minutes beforehand to make sure you can get connected to make sure your audio and or video is working. And, you know, just trying to the best of your ability to make sure that you know, all the technology is working before you actually get into the interview is, is really solid advice. Yeah. I think having a test run with just like even a friend or a family member is probably a good way to go about it from that computer that you're using. Mm -hmm. Like even a mock interview, whatever it is, right? Or even a lot of the the software lets you kind of test it out before you actually get into a call. Like it'll give you a preview screen. So that's an option as well. And in terms of 
you getting hired at the company, how was the onboarding process like? So Aaron, you can jump in um, whenever in terms of like sure. providing, like how did you walk through uh, Roja's process? But Roja, why don't you tell me, how did you onboard effectively with your new team? Yeah, so I think about a week before I was actually joining, I had my manager reach out to me, kind of tell me, asking me about how I'm feeling, what to expect, telling me more about what to expect the first week. And then I had HR also reach out to me regarding when my equipment was going to come in for remote working. So I had two monitors, keyboard, mouse, my laptop, everything really provided to me, headset. So that really helped me feel prepared for at least the first week. And I was, I guess, motivated enough to set everything up prior to the first week because they had... I think the first day was onboarding and they helped you get everything set up. But me taking initiative of getting everything set up was, I think, a good thing because I couldn't have done that all in one day and listen to orientation stuff. So having just like my manager be really proactive with what was going to happen right after I joined was also great. And the first day he had wanted to talk to me, but I was so busy with orientation stuff that we caught up, I think, on Tuesday. And then he introduced me to Aaron, who was, I guess, worked with the team that I'm currently working with. And I think that's when everything kind of clicked into place because I pretty much worked with Aaron as like, she was my guiding light at my current company. And I asked all my questions. I pretty much ping her every day. I think there was a time maybe earlier this week when I hadn't pinged her that much. And I was like, okay, (laughs) I'm kind of doing my own thing now. But that first week, I was shadowing her. Um, which is asking, great, which means, which means the onboarding worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for Sorry, sure. Also, I think just on the team, they had an onboarding guide and checklist, which was also super beneficial because it helped me kind of set my own expectations and goals for what I, where I need to be in two weeks, in a week, in, in a month. And that really helped me kind of figure out where I need to work towards. So that really helped me in having Aaron and my manager to always go to to ask any questions. That was also great. So I don't know if that answers your question. I'm going to pause there. Aaron, do, do you have anything to add in terms of um, like helping uh, Roja ramp up? Yeah, no, I mean, she, she pretty much covered most of, most of the process, which was, you know, we, we provided her with documentation, kind of gave her some space to kind of read through it. And because it, it's a fine balance of you don't want to bombard them with a bunch of information, because, you know, especially when you, when you start a new company, you know, uh, there, there's a lot of information around to peruse through and it's a balance of providing them documentation, but then also be available for questions because it's just, it's just a lot. Like there's a lot to, to learn when you're, you know, joining a new, a new company. So it was, it, it was kind of that just like, Hey, here, here's kind of where some documentation to start with. It's not everything, but here's something to start with. Let me know if you have questions and then kind of adding her to the team meetings, introducing her to the team. And then I, we, we had a lot of overlap. So essentially she was taking over as product owner for one of the, the, three teams that I, I was product ownering for. I don't think that's a word, but we'll go with it. And so the, she, w- she was kind of helping to take that team off my plate and be more dedicated to that team. But yeah, and so so it was kind of giving her space to to look through documentation, come up, see what kind of co- questions she would come up with, add her to the team meetings. But yeah, there was a lot of overlap in where I was still part of the team meetings and mm-hmm. was still kind of around for context and, and with the projects that we were working on and kind of where we were and where like the plan where we were heading. And so I have just recently transitioned off of being in their team meetings, but I'm obviously still around for question any questions that she has or guidance that she needs. So it was kind of a phased approach in like slowly kind of, you know, let go and, you know, let her, you know, take ownership and, and just reach out when she has questions. Is that kind yeah, of an accurate? I- an accurate summary <laughs> of how things went? <laughs> I would say so. I think the first month was honestly a little crazy. I had two weeks of training and I wasn't really in meetings for two weeks. Right. And then after that, Aaron and I were in meetings together and I was slowly understanding what the work was that was being worked on so I could start taking the reins of what we needed to do. So I would I would say that summarizes it really well, actually. Because it was maybe a week or so ago since you stopped joining meetings yeah um, for the team. yeah it was really recent it was recently so what are some quick tips in terms of how to effectively like onboard a new company that you could provide i would say probably ask questions all the time <laughs> have one person that you can 
definitely go to as like your mentor or like a friend that you can always talk to. Because one of the big things about onboarding or just coming to a new company is not knowing anybody. And I remember the first week I was working with Aaron and just like shadowing. I think maybe it was the second day that we were talking. We were just in a meeting, just chatting. And she actually asked me like some personal questions and we got to know each other a little bit. That helped me feel more comfortable about who she was, who like just connecting with her on a more personal level. Because I think when you come to a new company and you don't know anybody, you don't know the team and the team is also new, it's hard to make those connections. So having that one person that you can always ask questions to, regardless of the question, making sure you build those bonds is, I think, very important, as well as having weekly check-ins with your manager. I think that's helped me just stay in line with my comfort level with the company and what I'm working with. I think I think that's pretty much it. I, I know I've also been very, I would say hard on myself because there's been times or weeks where I've just been really confused and I had to keep reminding myself or get validation being like, okay, I think I'm doing fine be gracious with myself and just be like, okay, it's fine. I'm doing the best I can <laughs> with the information I have or and it's I, a I've new company a while. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Aaron. Yeah, I was going to say, I've, and I've tried to reassure you, I was trying to reassure you that don't worry, we're, most of us are confused a lot of the time yeah. also. <laughs> There's a lot of information, <laughs> a lot, lot of things changing. It, it's normal. It's fine. Yeah, I think I don't remember like onboarding to my first company that well because that was so long ago, at least it seems like that now. <laughs> So coming to a new company and like jumping into a completely new process and everything new, not really new industry, but a different area of the industry has definitely been a little bit difficult. But having Aaron and like other people that I can talk to, ask questions with, set up meetings with to just bounce ideas off and chat has been really helpful. So on the social side of things, if COVID didn't exist, you would be able to go to the office and like really build rapport with your, your teammates as well as other people and other departments that you'd be working with. So you could like have a coffee with them just to just get that rapport and conversation going. Obviously, you can't do that right now. You, you can maybe schedule like a Zoom call or like a, a quick chat. So how were you able to integrate yourself from a social level with the team in order to be part of that culture? I think recently Aaron actually set up a lunch meeting for all of us so we could hang out and just like talk to each other because one of the one of the developers turned full time. So that was one of the things that she's done, which was awesome, because I think all of us kind of wanted to do something like that, but hadn't taken the initiative because all of us were so new. Yeah, honestly, and I think that's something we should have done when you joined the team. But I think because we used to do that when we were in the office, whenever somebody new joined, we would go out for a team lunch and like celebrate or whatever. But you know that I I, I apologize. It was just not something I thought about. <laughs> no, that's okay. I think other than that, though, having these side conversations, like I've had just like pinging somebody and just being like, hey, how's your day going? Or having a question. I'm I like making conversation before I jump into a question. So with that, I think I try to connect with people, at least with those side chats on Teams. I will say, like, I definitely miss going into the office and just, like, walking to the break room or whatever and having a quick chat or having lunch with someone. If we were able to go to work, how long would, you, uh, how long would your commute be, Roja? Right now, I just moved a little bit closer. So probably 15 minutes, which is not that bad. Yeah, not bad at all. And then uh, Aaron, for you, you're obviously a big advocate of remote working for now in the future. But obviously, there's going to be the social aspect will be a bit missing if people don't go to the office. So what are some what are some of your recommendations for companies to make sure that yes, you want to give them the flexibility of being able to work on their own schedule, but you also want to have that culture from a social aspect. So what would be some of your recommendations? So one thing that I did actually was I put on a ca the calendar a standing meeting with one of my colleagues that I was pretty close with. We had a standing meeting, I, th I think it was on Fridays, and it was just like one of those like water cooler conversations where it was just like, hey, how's your week been? What's going on in your life? And we would just chat for, you know, 30 minutes or so. And it was, it, we didn't always join because sometimes, you know, we would have a meeting or, you know, something else that we had to take care of, but it was just like a, a, a placeholder so that, you know, we could kind of decompress from the week and, and just, you know, chat about things other than work. And so that's something that people can do with, you know, either someone they're close with or, you know, just pop, well, obviously ask the person if they're free first, but pop a meeting on the calendar to, you know, just 
chat with people, their colleagues about non-work related things. And also kind of something like we did with the lunch meeting with the team. Like, I, I don't think we really talked about work on that meeting. It was just like, hey, what, you know, what, literally anything in in everyone's life, like, you know, some people's kids would pop in, in the video camera view. And I think a question I may have asked was, you know, once it's safe again, where's a place that you would want to travel to? So, you know, just little icebreaker questions, even if, you know, you're a team that's worked together for a while. Group happy hours is, is also, or sorry, group virtual happy hours is also something that I've seen our departments do. And people can, of course, you know, if they don't drink or whatever, you know, you can have a have a Coke with you or whatever. It's not it's not revolving around the, you know, the drinking of adult beverages. It's it's the fellowship and the uh, the connection. So I think there's a lot of things that you can do to keep that social aspect alive, even while remote working, but without like bombarding people with, you know, the social activity. At my at my old company on Fridays we had after Corona and the pandemic started every Friday we would have thirty minutes at the end of the day where our director and like three different teams would come together. It was a huge video call on Webex Teams, and he would have Good News Friday, which was like something positive that happened in the week just because the pandemic was just so hard on everyone. I think. And he would ask a silly question, like you said, like, or like an icebreaker question, like, oh, what was your first job? Or what was the craziest thing you've eaten? And that, and he would go down the list with everybody. So people that you wouldn't normally hear talk would also talk and you get to know each other too. And I think there, I I definitely felt connected just because we were meeting for sure every, every week, just to have that one-on-one time or group time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the large group conference calls or video calls can be challenging because unlike in a large group in-person setting, like you you have a large group there, but you can break off into smaller groups and actually have a conversation whereas unless if you use like a zoom, like a zoom feature like the breakout rooms where you like have mm-hmm. you know whatever 20 people on a call but you break out into into rooms of four or five to then have smaller conversations it can get to be a little unruly is maybe not the rule the you know word i want to use but you can't really all be talking at the same time it's really got to be like one person at a time through a medium like that yeah. so that can get a little tricky but thankfully you know zoom thought of that and is like hey you have breakout rooms or whatever so you can get together in smaller groups for you know, short conversations and then come back and then, you know, get broken up into another group. So there are products and companies thinking about these challenges and are coming up with new solutions all the time to continue, you know, being able to work remotely effectively. So Aaron, in terms of like tools that companies are coming up with for the new age of remote working, what are your recommendations for the top tools for remote working, whether it's a Zoom or a project management software or Slack? what, What are some of the top ones that you've used that you've enjoyed? Sure. I would actually maybe split that into two categories, one being stuff, you know, work related that we're allowed to use at work and then stuff that I've used like in my personal life that I like using. So like, for example, we use Jira at work to like track all of our work and things. But like for my personal life, I rely on Trello. I just like the simpler inter- interface. It It's sim- it's simplistic enough, but also robust enough for my own needs. Like I wouldn't use Jira for like my personal work, but it works for what we do as a company. What else do I use? I use Microsoft To Do, which for whatever reason is blocked on our work network. Like I really wish I just had a simple to-do list app and I went and I tried to use it one day and it's like, nope, this isn't allowed. And I was like, but we use other Microsoft products. I don't understand. (laughs) But yeah, just something, I just need a simple to-do list sometimes. And so that's what I use personally. I use OneNote as my main like note notes tracker software I'm trying to think what else I use those are probably my top three I mean slack of course for for communication uh, we don't use it so much at work it, we use Microsoft teams company-wide there are some like in the engineering department that will use slack but I do use slack a lot in my in my personal life I'm a part of multiple different workspaces yeah I'll stick with those so just a recap we use Jira at work I use Trello for personal OneNote and slack Roger, how about yourself in terms of like personal, how, how, what type of tools that you use personally for work to make yourself more effective? Honestly, I love OneNote. I take notes in every meeting and it's such a great product because you can search certain words and add documentations. Like that is one thing that I probably cannot live without. I have a little to-do list even in there just to check, check off and stuff like that. So OneNote's probably going to be my go-to for sure. 
All right. And uh, Aaron, just going back in terms of, you know, kids showing up in the background of your managers, executives, like when the COVID first hit, were they kind of embarrassed or they didn't really care? I couldn't tell you because most of the time we don't, we didn't use our video cameras. I mean, sometimes you would occasionally hear like a dog barking or, you know, like a kid yelling or something in the background. But I mean, that kind of happens with our, our team's manager a lot. And he'll be like, hang on, give me a second. And then he has to like, you know, go talk to his kid or whatever. And I mean, I feel like people for the most part are understanding like we're, we are in a weird time right now. This, this remote working, like pandemic remote working is not the same as quote unquote regular times remote working. And so I think everyone is really understanding of, you know, we've got, everyone's got a different, you know, remote work situation or, you know, different things that they're dealing with at home. And it's, you know, everyone's just really understanding and just like, Hey, if you got, you know, you have to go deal with your, you know, your kids spilled something or, you know, they're, they're sick, whatever, you know, go, go, go deal with that. And, you know, get back to me when you have a minute. I think it also like, lets us know we're all in the same same boat because it, it can happen to us, but we know that it's happening to other people too. So I think all of us are just very understanding with that too, just to echo what Aaron said. So Aaron, I'm going to end this conversation off in terms of where do you want remote work to be in the future? And let's say the next five years, like where, what would be your goal in terms of advocating like a good remote work environment? Sure. I think it's ultimately going to depend on like, the company and the industry they're in. Cause like, I totally understand that there are some jobs and some industries, whatever that, that can't do remote work or remote work doesn't work well for their, for their company structure. Like I totally get that. But for the industries and companies that can like that have the infrastructure that have the equipment that have proven that remote working for the, its employees doesn't disrupt or has little to no disruption in their, in their business, then they should allow allow that flexibility. So kind of to recap what I said earlier, I'm advocating for the flexibility to be there. So if somebody wants to work 100% remote and and you know maybe make the occasional trip into the office depending on where they live, you know, let them do that. If they want the hybrid approach and that works for them, let them do that. If they want to go back into the office most of the time, uh, once it's safe to do so again, let them do that. And you know, like I said earlier, it, that is going to be, I don't even want to call it a perk anymore, but it's going to, it's going to be a thing that, that people and candidates are going to be looking for going forward. And in order for companies to remain competitive is something that they will highly need to think about offering. Same question to you, Roja. Well, where do you want the work environment to be in terms of incorporating remote work in the future? Yeah, I think it's important to meet like employees needs regarding whatever they want to do. Because right now we know that there's nothing blocking us from being productive while we're remote working. I think that's a really, it was probably a challenge in the beginning, but like now after a year, we all know that we've all been productive and successful with the projects and things that we need to work on. The only thing I would say is probably having like a hybrid approach is probably ideal and probably where we're going towards. Maybe like a hoteling concept where you get to pick and choose what days you want to come in, if you want to come in and maybe plan with other coworkers. The one thing I see a little bit just personally uh, lacking is the ability to like whiteboard solutions and work with the group and kind of have a whiteboarding session because I used to love those when I was in the office and that really helped me get my thoughts together and see it visually. And I think that's the hardest thing that we're having to work through, at least personally, having to visually see whiteboarding sessions. I haven't found a tool that's really helpful with that yet. So I'm still looking for that. But probably a hybrid approach Microsoft is Microsoft Teams actually idea. has a built-in whiteboard for meetings. Oh, really? I have not I have not seen that. I'll have yeah, to check I can, I can show you tomorrow if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Sorry. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> but I would say hybrid just for my own sake, because I, I love seeing people and I would probably go into the office a little bit just to see friendly faces and like have lunch with people, bond, create relationships and have a sense of like belonging to the company. Because I think sometimes you get you may miss that whenever you're just, you know, working from home all the time. When, one thing I do think was weird is. I went from remote working during the pandemic. I returned my stuff. I got new stuff for my new company and I still stayed on the same desk. So it was really weird to go through that transition of just like, you know, I switched companies, but like where I was at was still the same location. So I don't know. That was just a little bit weird for me. <laughs> but yeah. 
All right, so let's talk about like COVID prediction. Uh, Aaron, when do you think this will uh, end? Oh gosh, uh, <laughs> it depends on a lot of factors. I maybe by the end of the year. I actually have a trip that I planned in October that I may not get to take because I, I don't want to travel anywhere without getting the vaccine first. But unfortunately, I'm in one of the last phases to be eligible to get one. I was watching Slack earlier and some friends were talking about how there's a lot of people in our in our state that are, I guess, refusing to, to get the vaccine. So it's like, you know, we may move through the phases faster. So I might get one sooner than I think. But that also means that a lot of people aren't getting the vaccine, which means we're not really getting closer to that herd immunity that we're, you know, we're trying to push toward. And then I, I saw another news article headline that said something about, you know, we're in danger of setting back all of the gains we've made, you know, with the introduction of the new variants. And just because people are starting to get vaccinated, they're starting to get more lax on a lot of the restrictions that are in place. And it's like, whoa, 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 it's way too early. We're only at like 11% fully vaccinated. It's not the time to be doing that. So I think, you know, it's it's a hard prediction to make because there's a lot of factors in place. So maybe by the end of the year, I hope. Roger, what, uh, what are your thoughts? I don't think it'll be the end of the year. I feel like, yeah, I think it'll probably be 2022, oh dear. maybe summer. Yeah. Well, that far? Probably. But I think we're, we're definitely going to be, yeah, we're probably definitely going to be wearing masks for the, like, for maybe forever. Forever, really? <laughs> no, no I don't think I so. I don't know. I don't know. Do you have disposal masks or are you now more fashion forward and have those fancy masks? Like I see a lot of people having like designer masks on. Like My mom makes all my masks. Oh, nice. Yeah. My mom did too at one point. (laughs) Yeah. My mom's really crafty. So she, it's just been like, I don't want to call it a coping mechanism, but like she, it's something that she's done throughout the pandemic to, to keep herself busy. And, and she, she'll like gift the masks to, to people we know. And, and I have a collection downstairs of like 20 cause she'll get fabric for like the different seasons and like the different holidays and stuff. So I've got, you know, Christmas and winter theme mask and, and there's like some Valentine's masks and some Thanksgiving and Halloween. And, and then there's like some more generic ones. So it's been fun. Maybe not fun, but that brings a, that, that brings a good point. Um, how's your family <laughs> handling the pandemic? Because you've probably seen each other more than you've ever seen each other. Because like twenty four seven, right? So how, how has your family, Aaron, and your family, Roja, like handled the pandemic? Yeah, I think in the beginning it was kind of we were seeing each other a lot, and I think all of us were a little bit on edge for sure. I think like me and me, and my dad, when I was living at home. Me and my dad would just like get to work in the morning and we would be working. I think work got really busy during the like after we switched to remote work too. for whatever reason, we were in a lot of meetings. It just felt like we didn't really have a break. And at that time, I think my mom had to do a lot of like chores in the house. And I think she was getting on edge because of that, too. But through through the months of like, I think by summertime, things kind of calmed down and we kind of found a groove for us, what worked for us. Also, like the beginning of the pandemic was just very stressful, just uncertainty, a lot going on. Everyone was just on edge in general and just being together, co- like cooped up at home wasn't helping at the same time. I remember my dad walks outside a lot, like whenever it's nice weather. Like he was scared to go walk outside because we didn't know if like we were going to catch COVID (laughs) by walking on the sidewalk. So it definitely it definitely taught us a lot just from hanging out with each other so much. But I think it was also a positive thing in the end. Aaron, how about yourself? Yeah, so I, I had moved out of my parents' house before the pandemic. Gosh, I'd been out for about a year and a half, maybe. I can't even remember. Yeah, it was about a year and a half. But I also am very fortunate that I live actually pretty close to them. We're like a five, maybe 10 minute drive from each other, like a stone's throw away. So they, they've really been my main support system through this time. So like, I, I, I don't hang out with friends in person, but I will go over and I'll hang out with my family or they'll, they'll come over here or whatever, or mom and I, we, we've kind of cut back on it a little bit. We would go to church together, but we'll still get together and, and watch the church live streams. So they've been really my main support system. And it, it's nice to have a little bit of that separation. So like, you know, I don't, I don't live in their house anymore, but I'm still close enough that like, you know, if something happens or like, you know, I can still get with them and and hang out in person, you know, with a relatively low risk. So. All right. Well, it was great having you both on the show just to discuss remote working because obviously I see this 
basically a permanent staple in work culture. So again, I appreciate you both uh, coming on to share your insights and where you see remote working being integrated permanently in the workplace for the foreseeable future, as I just mentioned. So how can people find you online and want to connect with you? Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Max, for having us both on on your podcast. It's been a pleasure. I am on LinkedIn. So if anyone wants to connect with me on there, my name is Aaron Orstrom. And then I also have my personal website where I blog occasionally about various topics. And that's just AaronOrstrom.com. And I'm also on Instagram at Eorstrom, like Eeyore as in the Winnie the Pooh character. Max, I assume you'll you'll drop it in the show notes so that people don't have trouble spelling it. But yeah, that's that's kind of where I am on the winter on the interwebs. Yeah, thanks, Max, for having both of us. Again, echoing Aaron. This has been really fun. And if you want to find me on the interwebs and just social media, Roja Budati on LinkedIn and Roja Budati on Instagram. And it's Roja on Twitter. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, hit me up. All right, great. Again, appreciate both your time and hopefully finish off this COVID and then we can have somewhat of a normal life. Yeah, hope, hope. here's to hoping. <laughs> I got my fingers crossed. Thank you again to Aaron and Roja for discussing their experiences in remote working and providing my audience some tips on how to be a more effective remote worker. I want to take a few minutes here to discuss a few points in regards to onboarding effectively in a new workplace, 100% remote. The first is when it comes to interview preparation, from a video technical perspective, Roja recommends that you should try to join 15 to 20 minutes before you log in for your interview to make sure that you are mentally prepared and that you have no technical difficulties. Other than that change compared to -to face-to-face, you should still prepare and present yourself the best way possible as if it was a face-to-face interview. In terms of when you actually do get the job and you are going to be onboarding at your new company, these were the few main tips that Roja provided for anybody that was in the same boat as her a few months ago. The first is ask questions all the time. A lot of companies now have internal chat software, whether it's built internally or they use a third party such as Slack. So feel free to reach out to people on your team or teams that you work with. Just send them a quick question and they'll be happy to answer for you. They know it's tough to onboard at a new company completely remotely as you never met any of these people in person. So if a company has a good work culture, they will do what they can to help you be more informed, more knowledgeable, so you can contribute value to the company as soon as you start. Secondly, if it's possible, try to schedule a weekly check-in with your manager. This is a great time to fire off questions to the manager and give them updates if you're stuck on something or to see if you are on the right track with your progress. And finally, if you can find a mentor or friend who can help guide you during the first few months at your new company, that's going to be very helpful and will save you a lot of time. Some people might feel awkward messaging a whole bunch of people to ask them questions. So if you are able to find one person that you can fire all your questions to, it's going to be a lot easier for you and it's going to ramp up your onboarding immensely. Again, this is Chan with The Plan, the podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan. If you found this episode useful, I would really appreciate it if you share it with your friends and family to help support the show. I post new episodes every Tuesday on all popular podcast platforms. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, where I post daily content on topics such as career advice, job search, and personal branding. That's it for me, and I'll see you next time.